Bible says in the first chapter that there were about 120 believers. Somewhere right around there, about 120 believers that were gathered together. Now, we're not certain if that was the totality of people who believed in Christ at that time, but it's certainly those that gathered up in the upper room, about 120 believers. And here's what happened. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse number 41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, tells the story of Peter giving an altar call And during this altar call, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he gives this altar call, and the Bible says that added to the church that day, listen to this, 3,000 people. Instant megachurch, 3,000 people. I mean, how do you accommodate for 3,000 people instantly joining your church? I mean, we got to get more toilet paper. I mean, we have to get more, we have to get more paper towels. What do we do? How do we, how do we handle? What, what are we going to do? We need new signs. We need new direction. We need everything. 3,000 people suddenly walk into your church. But it didn't just stop there. Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 47 says, And the Lord added to the church what? Daily. Daily those who were being saved. So it wasn't just 3,000. It was the next day several more got saved. Then the next day and the next day and the next day. So every day people were getting saved. So add to the 120, the 3,000, and then new people every day. You're now into the thousands and thousands of people. Thousands and thousands. But listen to this. Acts chapter 4 verse 4 says this. However, many of those who heard the word believed... And the number of the men came to about 5,000. Just the men. They didn't count the women and children. So now you're looking at, what, at least 10,000, 15,000, maybe 20,000, maybe more. I mean, you have now a church that went from 120 to 3,000, over 3,000, to now over 5,000, just men. So now we're into the maybe 15 to 20,000. Maybe more, maybe into 25,000. I mean, how do you handle suddenly, suddenly 25,000 people just coming to know God? I mean, there's got to be a plan. There's got to be a strategy. Well, it didn't just stop there. The growth kept going. Acts chapter uh, 5, verse 14 says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Listen to this. Multitudes. Multitudes of both men and women. So now we go from addition, right, just adding into the thousands where we could count. Now we go to a place where we couldn't even count. See, why did they say multitudes? Because they, they had no number. They couldn't come up with a number. It's just, it's just, that's a lot of people. I mean, they just see, they just look, and they see thousands upon thousands upon thousands. So now they're into the multitudes. It's multiplying. It is rapid growth. It is an acceleration of the faith. People are getting saved. There is revival. There is all this incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And thousands upon thousands. And now we could probably be well over 25,000. Maybe way beyond that. Multitudes of people coming to know God. In Acts chapter 6 verse 7. 
It says, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So priests are getting saved. They're multiplying greatly. How do you handle this kind of growth? What if thousands walk into the church tomorrow? What do you do? Well, before they multiplied this greatly, they actually had a strategy. And here's their strategy. It's back in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse number 46 says, So continuing daily with one accord, listen to this, in the temple. And breaking bread, how? From house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. The early church had a strategy. How do we disciple? How do we minister? How do we facilitate this kind of growth? So they, they had a twofold strategy that was from God. The first one, it says, oh, we will meet in the temple. We'll, we will meet in rows. That's what I call just meeting in rows. It's in the temple. Listen, I love that. I love church. I am a church kid from day one. I don't remember ever not being in church. I remember sitting at a church and I sat in pews. My feet would just dangle. I could not wait for the day my feet would actually touch the ground. I would just dangle my feet for, for years, and finally my feet could touch the ground. I was so excited. I just grew up singing hymns and, and going to Sunday school and having sword drills and, and doing Jericho marches and, and singing Father Abraham. Come on, how many of y'all sang Father Abraham? Had many sons. Let's go. I sang it all my childhood. I love church. I love everything about church. If I wasn't pastoring, I'd still just be attending and be involved. I just love coming together, man. I don't like to miss church ever. I don't care if it's a holiday weekend or whenever. I love coming to church. I love worshiping. I I like worshiping. I like coming in, and I like lifting my hands, and I like singing. I, I like singing. I don't sing as good as Mark, but I still sing. Now, every now and then, I hit a note. And I look at my wife to see if she heard it. I just kind of glance over, and I go, Lord, please tell me Cynthia didn't just hear that note. And, and she's just worshiping, you know. And that's why I like the music a little loud, because I don't like to hear myself. I like to hear the music and the singers, not me, okay? You don't want to hear me. Maybe you grew up Church of Christ. Church of Christ, they have no instruments. How do you have church without instruments? They just sing a cappello. I won't be going to the Church of Christ ever. Never, ever, ever. I like to hear the music, and I like to sing loud. I like the music louder than me. But I love it because I love the worship. Man, I love to come in. I can't wait for Sundays. I get the song list ahead of time, and I get excited when we have certain songs. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to come to church to sing that song because I love to worship God. There is a place where we come called church, where we can gather in rows, and man, we love it. And it's necessary. And, and, and we come and we, we greet each other and we, we, we get to know each other a little bit and we, we shake a hand and we maybe hug a neck and, and we hear preaching and, and there's a place for that. 
It's necessary. And they had that in the early church. They met in the temple. Now, you say, well, pastor, they can't fit that many people. No, 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 they could. They could fit a lot of people in the temple. They could fit a massive amount of people. Historians believe that in the temple courts, not in the inner court or or any place like that, but in the temple courts, that's where the Bible says they met, in the, in the temple courts, they could fit anywhere from some historians believe 50,000. Some believe up to 100,000 people could gather inside those courts. You've seen maybe when they, when they would elect a new pope or they, they, they gather on the Vatican. You see in those, that's a massive amount of people gathered together. And that's what they did. They gathered together. I imagine they worshiped together. I imagine maybe they played instruments uh, and somebody maybe shared something. Somehow, somehow there was prayer that was offered up. There was worship offered up. Man, there's a place for that. It is necessary to come to church, to sit in rows, to worship God. There is a place for that. But they did not stop there. There was another part of their plan. The second part of their plan was that they met from house to house. House to house. Man, that's, that's where you meet in smaller groups. You can't fit 50,000. You can't fit 10,000. They couldn't fit 5,000 or 1,000 in a house. They could just fit a very small group. Around the world, they're called house churches. I've been to them. My first trip in 2000 to, to Vietnam... I went to preach at a house church. Pastor Clark said, I'm going to send you to a house church. You're going to preach today. I got in with the car, a taxi with a guy. I had no idea who he was. He spoke English. He said, we're going to go down. They zigged me around. We went from street to street, corner to corner, alley to alley. Finally, we ended up in this little side street. He said, wait right here. We're going to come and get you. Don't move. I didn't move. He grabbed me. A couple Vietnamese guys came and got me. Man, they ducked me down. We ran. We went from a hallway to a room to another hallway, back into a back room. And then I get into this room, and people are praising God. They're worshiping God. They're singing. And I realized this is just somebody's house. It's house church. They couldn't meet in large gatherings because of communism. At the time in 2000, it was illegal to gather And so it's just a house church. We have small groups. They're not not called house churches. We call them small groups. What are they? They're a group of, smaller group of believers gathered together. And in the early church, they met together daily in the temple, in the courts. And then they also met, though, from house to house. And they ate together. Come on, somebody. I like it when we eat, too. Huh? We eat and we we have fellowship. There's something about it. There's just something about gathering together in large groups, man, where we worship God. That's fantastic. But there's also something about gathering in smaller groups. This is where care happens. This is where people form relationships. We can't form relationships in rows. That doesn't happen. We come to church, and we see somebody, and we shake a hand, and we say, hi, how are you? What is the response? Good. Great. How are you? I'm great. You could have had the worst week in the history of the world, but what do we tell everybody on Sunday? Great. 
I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Huh? House being foreclosed on. Doctor's report saying you got all sorts of things wrong with you. Marriage falling apart. Kids going crazy. But we come to church. Come on now. And we say to everybody, great. We're great. Right? And so that's what we do. Why? Because we only get 60 seconds. Right? That's all pastor gives you is 60 seconds. Take 60 seconds. Shake five people's hand. Hug a few necks. You don't have time to tell people what's really going on. Now, every now and then you'll find somebody that is a little bit real, and they'll go, oh, you don't even, you don't even want to know. Oh, I ain't got time. I don't have time to tell you about my week, you know. And that's, that's, that's just what is the large church. That's what happens in rows. But when you get in circles, it changes. Everything changes. This is where we could care for people. Show concern for people, huh? Meet each other's needs. One of my favorite stories is when we first started the church, man, and, and we had men's small groups. And let me tell you, tell you, men, we're famous for not getting together. We're famous for isolating ourselves. We're famous for, for building walls. I mean, we're just famous for it. So Eddie Aiello told me this story. It was just great. He said that uh, he came into church one day, and, and him and, and Mark Unger, our drummer, were, were very close, had been close, and, and, and Mark said to Eddie, how you doing? And Eddie said, great. And he said, and Mark looked at him and said, how you really doing? And Eddie was just kind of taken back a little bit, like, oh, oh, you want to get real. Okay. See, this is the difference between the large group, which is necessary, we come to worship God, huh? We come to lift our hands, right? I like worship in the large group setting better than the small group setting, okay? That's just me. But in the large group setting, how you doing? Great. In the small group setting, here's what happens. How you really doing? How you really doing? I mean, let's, let's, let's get real. How are you really doing? In the small group setting, this is where people can care for you, man. They can, they can talk to you. Do you know that Jesus himself was a small group leader? In the book of Luke, it talks about how he got his disciples together. And the Bible says that he began to gather together Peter and James, John, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas. Huh? He went to all these guys. He just listed them down and got to Judas. And there were 12 of them. And he would teach the multitudes. And he would sit them down, huh? And they were, maybe they weren't in the exact rows, and they certainly weren't in padded red chairs, right? But they were in something like rows. They were just gathered. In fact, the Bible says they were on a mountainside. One time, the multitude was so great, he had to get in a boat and go just off the shore and stand in the boat and teach to them from the boat. That's life in rows. But here's what happened in the rows. Sometimes he'd say something difficult. They'd begin to walk away, huh? Sometimes they would follow him, and then sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes they liked what he said, sometimes they didn't. That was just them living life in rows. But Jesus also had a small group of 12 men that met in a circle. They met in a circle, and they were able to ask questions and talk. Sometimes they talked too much. I've been in those small groups, huh? 
Sometimes they, 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 they were able to share. They were, and Jesus was just able to disciple them. And after three years, listen to me, one of those small group members got up and preached a sermon, and 3,000 people got saved. Why? How did that happen? How is it that, that one of those small group's members would, would stand there and his shadow, they would just bring sick people across his shadow and people would get healed just by, just by being in the shadow? How is it that one of those small group le- members would grab somebody by the hand and pick them up and strength came to their ankles and knees and joints and they went leaping and walking and leaping and praising God? How is that happened? It's because he, he disciplined himself to be in a small group. His name was Peter. Huh? He wasn't perfect, <laughs> and he had his issues, and he sometimes talked too much, and he probably ate more than he should have. Huh? He was the one that brought the cake and ate it too, and he was that guy, you know. But he was also disciplined enough to stick with it. And when everybody else left from the rose, Peter stayed in the circle. And said to Jesus, where are we going to go? You, you are it, man. You're our small group leader. We're not leaving you. We're going to stay committed. We're going to stay real. We're going we're to get through this thing. And he was able to take his mask down. See, that's what happens sometimes in rows. And I love it. And like I said, I wouldn't replace it for anything. But sometimes in rows, it's just too easy to put on a mask. How are you doing? Great. That's why we have to get deeper. That's why we have, to, we have to, there's something more. You cannot disciple people in rows. You can only disciple them in circles. Amen? That's why God's calling us to get into circles. Listen, I heard this incredible story from a pastor about small group ministry. He said that, that he got a call one day that one of his members was in a car accident. And man, he he was a little bit ways away, and he went home, and he, he changed real quick from what he was doing, and, and he rushed to the hospital. And here's the amazing part, amazing part of this story. When he got to the hospital, everyone in that person's small group had beat him there. He gets to the hospital expecting it to just be him and the person in the car accident and maybe a family member or two. And instead, he walks into a hospital room to find the entire small group had gathered there. They beat the pastor there. That's care. That's showing concern for people. Because you may not be going through something today, but how many of you know we're just one phone call away from really needing somebody we're just one phone call away, huh? One, one accident, one tragedy away from, from being, being so needy. We have to have somebody come along and say, hey, man, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm going to walk you through this thing. You're struggling right now, but guess what? We're here with you, man. We're your brothers. We're your sisters. We're not going to leave you. Man, we're going to help you through this thing. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray with you when we're with you. We're going to pray with you even when we're not with you. We've got your back. We're supporting you. Man, we're going we're gonna to be with you through this whole thing. How many of you know sometimes you just need that in your life? Desperate for it. And that's what happens in the small group setting. That's why it's so important for us to, to, to not just come to rows, but to get out of the rows and get into a circle. And the devil doesn't want you in a circle. Believe me, he wants you isolated. I mean, he doesn't even like you coming here. He tempted you today with the beach and the barbecue and the family this and the family that. 
But you came, and it's great that you came, and we want you to come. But I believe there's another step. It's called our small group ministry. And, and I'm going to encourage you to pray. Talk to God about where you can get connected. Because you need other people in your life. You need that in your life. We're going to invite a young lady to come share. and She has been a small group member. She has been a small group uh, leader. And she's going to be leading one uh, this semester as well as we begin to start our fall semester. Would you welcome Tara Connell? Tara's going to come and she's going to share today. Come on, Tara. Thank you. You're welcome. Everyone say, I need a circle. Now look to your neighbor and tell them you too. <laughs> now, I, you know, anyone that's gotten a, a text message or a voicemail from me knows I can ramble, but I'm going to keep it short and concise. <laughs> there's value. Yeah, everyone's laughing because they know it's the truth. Um, there's value in small groups, and I can attest to that in my own life. Just the, the growth, the relationships. I'll, you know, everything that Pastor preached on today, so true, so true in my own life and in so many people that I know as well. Um, the relationships, you know, the, uh, Frank shared his testimony in the first service. Guys have walls. They don't want to go to small group. Guess what? Ladies do too. So many ladies I know feel rejected by other ladies. They feel, um, isolated. They feel they can't trust other ladies. Those are all eyes of the enemy. He wants to separate. He wants to isolate. I encourage you just to, to plug in and to, and to draw close to other ladies. There's value there's growth. When I, think, <laughs> I get emotional. Um, when I think about my own life, just seeing examples of godly women, learning how to pray, learning how to read the Bible, having that support network. I don't know about you, but pebbles and rocks and boulders in life happen, and you need someone to pick you up. There's value in this. There's value in the, in the church setting, but there's value in the small group setting. Sometimes you need people to pick you up, to encourage you, to give you joy, to, to help you, to help you pray with those things that you've been going around and around and around with. So I just encourage you, don't get isolated. The, the Bible says that he's an enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to knock your purpose out, knock your plan out, knock the life out of you. Don't let him. Take this step and, and plug in. Small groups are an amazing way to plug into the vision of the church the heartbeat of the church. This is your family. Connect. Don't, don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Connect. I just truly encourage you to do that. Um, and I think that's it. <laughs> Great job, Tara. Amen. Thank you so much. Tara's just done a wonderful job. She's led small groups, and of course, she's just done a great job building relationships and, and uh, meeting inside of the small group and then meeting outside of the small group. Because like I said before, we don't know what happens tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. And I do know this. You were not created to walk through this life alone. You were created to be connected in a relationship in a healthy relationship, in a support system where people can care for you. Would you do this this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?